The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest is an old friend and repeat guest of uh, NDE Radio's PMH Atwater. On last week's show, she discussed her intriguing new book, The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. You can listen to that show by hitting the uh, NDE Radio's Past Shows button and um, and all of our past shows uh, as well. In fact, I think PMH was last on on May 15th of 2017. You can find that show as well. PMH Atwater is a multiple near-death experiencer and has been researching near-death states since 1978. She's authored 18 books on the subject. PMH, welcome back again to NDE Radio. Well, it's a privilege to be here. Well, yes. it's a privilege for <laughs> us to have you. Uh, let's uh, let's go on uh, with the... Uh, with the uh, Forever Angels for a bit, and uh, and and then I have uh, another direction to lead you off into. No, dear. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the most fascinating things I thought in the in your talk that you gave at the uh, at the conference in Philadelphia was the uh, discussion of the vagus nerve. Uh, and, oh uh, yeah. Perhaps you could elaborate on on all of that. Um, well, there's a lot of theory and ideas about the silver cord that um, that that idea that somehow some way our body is attached to our soul through a silver cord and and you know you know you read about this a lot in psychic books metaphysical books esoteric books um, the fabled silver cord, and and one of the things that troubled me in in all of, all of this research that I've been doing since 1978, you know, I have a research base of nearly 5,000 adults and children, is very few ever talked about a silver cord. They didn't see any kind of cord, hmm. and so that 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 just kind of bothered me. And 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 until I fell off a ladder, <laughs> I did. I was Yikes. flying in the air um, and fell off of a ladder, and, and had an experience with the vagus nerve myself. And then I went back over my re- research and discovered the clue is in the breath. The clue is in the breath. It could. Uh, I'm not going to say could. I'm going to correct myself. I truly feel that the vagus nerve is the physical component to the silver cord. And I get that mainly from breath. Children, little bitty ones especially, uh, will talk about being in a lake or a stream or the bathtub, and they don't need to breathe. They'll go walking along, no no breath. Don't need mm. that breath. Um, 
And, of course, eventually they do, but they can cover a lot of territory without breath when they're underwater. Um, and I noticed with, with my own son, um, he would he would go go to a swimming pool, and then he would walk across the bottom of it. He wouldn't be swimming on the top. He'd be walking about the bottom of it. And it's, it's us, his parents, who would panic and you know, dive in there and bring him out, but it didn't didn't bother him at all. <laughs> and so I'm seeing this not only with children, but also with adults, especially after their experience. They'll go through periods of time, even fairly long periods of time, not breathing. And I did the same thing after my third near-death experience. And so I finally timed myself. And I think it was about... It was Somewhere between seven to ten minutes, I don't remember for for sure. I was driving in downtown downtown traffic in Boise, Idaho, and no breath. And I didn't need that breath. And um, I finally caught on over the years, this business of breathing. And and, and so, you know, I really... Um, spend a lot of time with near-death experiencers, invariably adult or, or child. They would talk about periods of time, especially after their experience, when they would, they would notice that they weren't breathing. And they're, you know, going about regular activities, maybe driving, maybe um, at work, you know, whatever. And, and they didn't need that breath. And so uh, finally I put two and two together and thought, you know, if you're injured in any way, the vagus nerve takes over. It doesn't matter about your nose, your nostrils, and normal breathing. The vagus nerve takes over, and it breathes for you, and it does not breathe out of the lungs. It's a very different type of breathing. And um, so I think, bingo, you know, we've got something here. It's the vagus nerve that is this physical component to the silver cord. Yeah, that's that's so interesting to me because, um, well, I drowned at age seven, and then uh, later on in life was diagnosed with sleep apnea because for long periods of time at night when I was asleep I wasn't breathing, and uh, so I, I I use a CPAP machine now. But perhaps that was a result of my uh, of my a lot MD. of child 67% of these children have problems with sleeping so it says mm. that same kind of thing we're going back to the breath interesting wow um, I think you told me uh, this was a couple of years ago and we were having lunch together and you said that, I think in that incident you had timed yourself at 8 minutes without breathing yeah, I think seven to ten minutes. I can't remember for sure. It was a sure. long – yeah, I, I, I mean, I was astounded, you know, because – Oh, yeah. You know, I, I went down um, Vista Boulevard in Boise, Idaho. I'm, I'm, I'm headed toward the Capitol. I, I take a left on State Street. I'm going down – I mean, this is heavy traffic, going down mm. State Street. And, and it finally occurred to me – you know, I, I've, I've not been breathing all this time. My lungs are not working. 
um, maybe I should pull my car over to the, you know, to the side, stop it, and start restart my lungs. So I did that through prayer and, and visualization, um, mm-hmm. but, but I was able to restart my lungs. But that that kind of concerned me that I was <laughs> doing all of this without breathing. Well, they say, you know, as a as a former EMT, I was always trained that, you know, six minutes without uh, oxygen and your brain starts to die. Well, but, <laughs> but apparently there there's a factor that they have not taken into account in the anyway. Well, I don't uh, think we know enough about the vagus nerve. I, I truly think our medical science um, has not fully researched um the vagus nerve at all. Hmm. We think we have, but we haven't. We uh, there's a, of course a big spiritual uh, connection to breath too. I mean that God yeah. breathed life into us and into uh, his, his his creation. That's yeah. uh, it's such a, a powerful image anyway. That the, yeah. there's there's spiritual aspects to breathing as well as the physical ones. Um, let's talk about, um, in your book, you talk about learning changes and you talk oh, about abstracting. Learning reversals. This is, um, happened so many times that, um, I would venture to say that it is part of the near-death experience. Um, most of these children come back abstracting. They're abstracting before, uh, uh, many of them before the age of two, certainly by four years of age. You betcha by, you know, six or seven years old when they're, they're starting school. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, this is a boy, uh, um, you know, part of my research base. This is a boy in the, in the state of Georgia who's in the first grade, who drowns about halfway through. And when he's finally able to come back into school, now step aside here and and think, what are they reading in the first grade? See, spot, run. Dick and Jane. You know, you got it? (laughs) Yes, I remember. He comes back reading Greek mythology and understands it. And goes up to his teacher and says, why was the book Robinson Crusoe ever written? Hmm. What are you going to do with this kid? There is no school in the United States that is prepared for a first grader who is abstracting. They're not prepared. They're coming in with a conceptual reasoning styles that um, most of us don't get until our late tween, teens or 20s. Mm-hmm. These are little kids that are already doing it. Uh, so, you know, um, yeah. with learning in school, it, uh, we call it concrete learning. And in other words, you go from detail to detail to detail, and you get harder and harder up the grades. These are kids that are coming in with, 
you know, conceptual reasoning styles. Uh, they've already got it. So they have to relearn or be introduced to concrete learning. And um, it mixes up the kids. It mixes up the parents. And it it just, you know, <laughs> that teachers go through a, a real shock here. How yeah. are we going to handle this kid? And and this is is normal. And another thing that's normal with with these children is stenesthesia. Stenesthesia is a, a a condition of the limbic system in the brain, whereby it is either um, uh, somehow enlarged or changed. And I say to everybody that the limbic system is changed for most people during a near-death experience. That that uh, I, I can say with adults, um, to some extent, with children, to a large extent. So what what's anesthesia? Anesthesia changes your your sensing. It changes it into multiples. Hmm. So, uh, um, uh, so I'll give you another example. Okay. This is me. This is myself. I was I was born this way. No, I didn't have a near death experience at, at birth, but but I came in with anesthesia. I came in with dyslexia and anesthesia. So in the first grade, I was the only kid in class who could smell numbers, see music, and hear. <laughs> um, I, I smell colors. Excuse me. I, I, yeah. I, I could smell colors, see music, and hear numbers. I spent most of the first grade on a tall stool in front of the class, wearing a, a conical hat that said "Dunce" on it, as oh, an example dear. of a bad child who told lies. Um, the principal tried tried twice to get me kicked out of school. Uh, the first grade for me was nightmare trauma city. And after the first grade, because I knew I was telling the truth, yes, but everybody else thought I was lying. So after the first grade, I decided I would never trust an adult again. So I became exceedingly independent. Well, and you say that one of the uh, typical after effects is uh, that 90% in the study did not bond with their parents. They bonded yes. with the other side instead. Let, let, let's stop for a minute because that is so big. 90% do not bond with their parents. That does not mean that they don't love them. But it does mean that um, they won't necessarily listen to them. They won't necessarily respect them. They won't necessarily follow what the parents want them to do. Uh, because either they know their parent is wrong or, or they, can, uh, they can see through the mind and, and they know what their parent is thinking. Or they're yeah. they're just um, different. So we've got ninety percent that do not bond with parents. We difficult family situations. Every eighty-two percent. 
uh, the siblings in the family will look at the. I, I mean, a child near death experience experiencer is different. Maybe they even look different, and so the other kids, uh, um, other kids in the family will say, "Well, where did you where did you come from? Another planet? You know, you don't belong <laughs> in this family." So you get a lot of that kind of difference. And certainly by the time they're in school, yeah, you get an awful lot of that. So, you know, um, 84% are are empathic, 75% highly intelligent. Um, Yeah, and and we get into this intelligence issue. Uh, Both books, I really got into intelligence. And um, the older ones looking back and the younger ones looking forward, you still get into this idea of intelligence. Uh, It's just, it it gets really kind of wild, Uh, drawn to and highly proficient in math, science, and history, 93%. You know, hold on to your hats here. from from birth uh until 15 years now that was in the first study um but bear in mind you know i had hardly any of them that were teens or tweens uh they were from 7 years on down to birth so when they're old enough to take the standard iq test 48% are scoring between 150 to 160 if you get younger than six, um, uh, 81% are scoring between 150 to 160. Here's the hot hat topper. Birth to 15 months, especially if they had a dark or black light experience. When they're old enough to take an IQ test, that their scores begin at 180 and above, whoa, 100%. Wow. All of them. The younger the child, the bigger the jump. Now, right, and I hope there's a lot of scientists listening to this show. I hope there's a lot of doctors listening to this show because we need to research this. This yes. is very, very important. We need to research this. We need, we need to go much further here. But, but, Bear in mind now, a lot of these experiences, birth to the age of five years, and especially those that are younger, are happening during a time when uh, the basic flooring is being laid in the brain and the nervous system, the digestive system. All that basic flooring is being laid when I call it a power punch. The power punch of the near-death experience is happening during those critical times. I say that when that, what I've noticed is when that power punch hits, it's flipping the brain into higher octaves. Mm. And we've got to research this. We've just got to because we've got the numbers now. Yes. Well, in the time we've got left, PMH, I'd like to 
completely flipped the subject. Um, (laughs) I think of you as a perennial optimist, and yet I know from your newsletter that you're a realist as well when it comes to problems like global warming, for instance. Two years ago, in your October 2017 newsletter, you wrote, it's a great time to be alive. Do you still feel that way? Yeah. You do. I, I knew you were so. going to say yes. Even more now, so. <laughs> you also mentioned um, uh, the uh, Pluto reversal from 2020 to, you know, well, next, I guess it, starting it, next it's year. Called, in astrology, it's called, it's called a return. Or a return, um, that's right. That's when the planet or the dwarf planet uh, returns to its its time uh, uh, in your in your natal chart. In other words, when you were born, um, that's the placement of Pluto, and then the necessary what is it, two hundred forty eight years or something, has gone by now, and 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 that that time again has returned. So it's called in astrology, it's called a return. Um, you know, you, you get that with all the different planets and so forth and so on if you're studying an astrological chart. But, but what's so important to hear, I think, is, is that the Saturn return in the United States chart is between the years 2020 and 2024. Interestingly enough, that's our next presidential term. Yes. Now, Pluto means um force it means high energy it it's um um nothing is ever middle ground during a passage of, of pluto it, it, just incredible energy so it's either not so good or it's very 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 good but the, again there's nothing in the middle there's no middle ground um so if you look at politics right now is there any middle ground? Uh-uh. <laughs> no. You're either top or bottom uh, in whatever you're looking at. So our next presidential election will be the most important in the United States history. Um, doesn't matter who wins. It's the most important in our history. And uh, we go on from there in major things happening Across the world, and and, uh, and I remind everybody, we are in what is known as uh, the great shifting. This time that happens every twenty five thousand nine hundred twenty years, where everything turns, the the whole table, the giant cosmic clock, it, it has it, it, it's turning on itself. So we're in that high energy, uh, very weird and scary time when um, what we thought we knew about our globe, our country, uh, where we live, is 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 being altered and altered significantly. So when we're talking about um, um, global changes when we're talking about glo- um, uh, 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 weather changes. Please know 
that it is on schedule. It, 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 it's part of the schedule. It's not just global warming. It's not just the, all this smoke coming out of the smokestacks. It's not just um, um, eating more and more and more of a demand for, for meat. It is, um, it is on schedule. Now, certainly these other things we are doing is impacting that, Yes, but it's not causing it. We're on right. schedule for massive changes, and that's exactly what's happening and will continue to happen. And if anybody has an opportunity to read um, um, the prophetic changes that um, have been predicted by near-death experiences, Robert Mays and his wonderful wife Suzanne, uh, collected those, put them together in a study that was given at the conference. I have a copy yes. of that study, and it's wonderful. I uh, I, I was at that study. Actually, I had them on the show just before the conference, and then ah. of course I was there. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that was a that was a well attended uh, discussion, and um, and I, I think it may also be on YouTube now. I think Robert sent me an email saying it was on YouTube. Perhaps I'll try and put it on the show well, as well I'd, because yeah, it was I, I profound. Would, I would love to have the um, the code or clues or um, WW, you know, <laughs> all of that too because yeah, I'd like to put it in oh. the in the newsletter as well. Okay. Uh, and by the way, I'm remind sure. everybody, you know, I. My free monthly newsletter. Yes, um, tell us. A, just tell, get on my tell website com. Sign up. It's wonderful. The, the the breadth of information. I mean, it's certainly not all uh, dedicated to near death studies. It's got everything no. in there and everything well, that's I current and important. Well, I tell everybody it's a newsletter for the curious. Yeah. Now, will the magnetic poles be affected by this 25,000 year? They are. They are changing. Um, Hmm. So how much of that will affect us? Um, Certainly a a lot. We've got a lot of other electrical things that are changing that will affect um, certainly our electricity, but it's going to affect... um, um, our, our websites, Google, Facebook, it will affect our um, electr- electrical um Yeah, the, the power grid. The power grid, yeah. Very susceptible to uh, solar flares if there's not a, a strong magnetic protection. We're going to be getting protection. more, well, l- less and more. Again, they're cyclic. Yes. Uh, but we need to take a look at that. Yes. Wow. Do you think yeah, we could that go on years, and on, couldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know we could do a whole show just on this. Do you think NDEers will have um, a significant impact on the on protecting the Earth from uh, environmental change? I think they're going to have a significant significant impact on helping people realize how powerful they are, 
how much of a difference their thoughts and deeds make in the world, that everybody is important, and to help people um, realize how they imp- how important they are. Um, I think that's really what comes out of the near-death experience, is to realize how important you are, how special you are, how indeed you are a daughter or son of the Most High. If you don't want to use the word God, you don't have to use the word God. But that higher order is real, is effective. We are we are co-creators with the Creator. And if you don't believe that, pull out the Christian Bible. It says, and I quote, we are gods in the making. Uh, get the book, A Manual for Developing Humans. Hue is the ancient sound of God. So human is God-man, God-woman. That's what hue is. Who among us are are taught how to be a human being in our lives? We're not taught. Hmm. So get the manual. I, I know, wrote it's, it. Uh, it's out there. It, it teaches, as as you said, the goal is not to be a better person, but a full human being. Yeah, to, that's to what be the, that's what the manual is all about. Are. Yeah, absolutely, and that's well, what we need. This has been terrific, PMH. Thank you so much. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's all the, the time we have for today. Um, okay, okay. Well, we'll do it again <laughs> next year. <laughs> My thanks to PMH Atwater for today's show and for her latest book, The Forever Angels. Um, for more on IONS, uh, listeners um, can uh, uh, go back and listen to this show and previous shows by going to the past shows button at the uh, I, um, NDE radio site. And for more on IANS and getting recordings from the conference, please go to IANDS.org. If you'd like to listen to the show again or any of our past shows, as I said, go to our website at NDERadio.org and join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>